Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies, a Blackhawks podcast. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today, since the Blackhawks aren't going to play this week due to the All-Star break. We're going to split the recapping duties, so I will uh, start out. The Blackhawks played the Rangers last Thursday in New York. Um, it was two not very good teams playing each other. And um, the Blackhawks never, they never really, they kind of, I think they scored the first goal, but after that, the Rangers scored a couple goals to build a two to one lead. Um, Then it was, I think it got to three to one and the Blackhawks scored to make it three to two. Yeah. They made a game of it at the end, but yeah. The Rangers, the Rangers played pretty well. Yeah, they dominated for most of the game. Uh, then the Rangers added an empty net goal to make it 4-2. And then the Blackhawks scored after the empty net goal to make it 4-3. But the clock was basically on zero when the four, third goal was scored. So, yeah, it wasn't a very strong effort by the Blackhawks, and they uh, lost 4-3. to three. So now I'll turn to Michael for the other two games. Sure, sure. Yeah, so... Coming off that loss against the Rangers, where really the only thing that kept them in it was their power play, which I guess we can probably touch on later, has continued to uh, be pretty strong. The Blackhawks uh, came back home and uh, faced off against the Washington Capitals. And much to basically everyone's shock, uh, the Blackhawks jumped out to a pretty quick lead and never really took their foot off the pedal. Although Washington controlled much of the play, it just seemed like the the Blackhawks would generate two on ones or they'd get an, uh, a little play going in the offensive zone. And every time they did, they were able to bury the chance. Um, uh, Saad got a nice goal to start it off. Uh, you know, probably gave them a little bit of confidence. And then uh, Colleton uh, reunited Taves and Kane, uh, which is something obviously we've seen on and off, uh, although fairly irregularly in the regular season. It's more of a uh, last-ditch uh, option in the, in the playoffs. When things don't go well, they'll, they'll team those two up. Uh, but... It happened in this game, and boy, did they they responded. Uh, Patrick Kane scored his 28th and 29th goals, and uh, I don't even know how many assists he had in the game. I think it was another two or three, something like that. And then Jonathan Taves had a hat trick, and the you know, like I said, the the Blackhawks got off to a three to one lead. Uh, it was four to two after two periods. And then it just got even crazier from there. Uh, the uh, capitals uh, came to within one, one goal. Uh, they, they scored uh, their defensemen were scoring like crazy. It was just all, all these shots uh, from the point or a defenseman would be left alone in the slot. And they were able to kind of creep in and get off some quality chances and I, I want to say out of their five goals, I, I think all of them came via their defensemen, which is just really unusual and speaks uh, pretty much to some of the defensive breakdowns we've seen where 
uh, the forwards are not uh, in their proper locations. Uh, but like I said, the, the, the Hawks, the, the Hawks answered the bell offensively uh, beyond uh, Taves and Kane combining for five goals. Uh, I mentioned Saad scored his 15th to scored his 25th and uh, Dylan Strom uh, added a late goal to make it uh, an eight to five victory for the Blackhawks. Uh, they were actually outshot in the game. And they, uh, of their eight goals, only one of them came by the power play, but uh, th- that continued their strong power play play because they were only one out of two in the game. So it was, it was a lot of even strength work, um, and the, the Hawks were just burying their chances. I wanted to add, too, um, the Capitals, like, I think they've allowed, like, 25 goals their last three games. They're, they're talking about some crazy – they've been just getting lit up. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it isn't too much of a surprise that uh, uh, the Hawks were able to do it. I mean, you know, the Hawks obviously have their defensive deficiencies and they did give up five goals in this game, but uh, the Hawks obviously have still have some offensive firepower. um, And when those guys are hot, uh, if the other team's struggling defensively, um, the the Blackhawks can still capitalize on that. And, you know, I mean, that's it all eight goals were, you know, the, the, the Capitals scored all five of their goals via defenseman. The Blackhawks scored all eight of their goals, um, you know, basically by their uh, top four offensive forwards. I mean, so it was uh, a pretty unusual game, but, uh, you know, Hawks came out on top. So uh, yay for us. Colin Delia came up pretty, pretty strong in the game. It was one of those things where he had like his first two goals were really soft, and then after yeah. that, he was great. So yeah, he made a lot of great saves. Uh, you are right uh, that he did give up two very soft goals, uh, just um, kind of thrown in from the the boards. Uh, it was kind of like uh, the Patrick Kane game winning goal uh, in the the Stanley Cup against uh, the Flyers that we talked about a couple of weeks back. Uh, you know, just kind of. Snuck them all, snuck them in from a bad angle, uh, but he also made you know a bunch of great saves too to to kind of keep the Hawks, um, you know, in that game. Although I mean, yeah, the, the offense obviously helped keep them in it too. It's hard to get blown out when you score eight goals, but uh, it certainly could have been a different score had Delhi not played pretty well. Uh, and then uh, two nights later, uh, the Islanders came to town. And it it didn't look great for the Hawks early on. Uh, I thought I felt the Islanders came out pretty well, and they did take a one nothing lead very early. But then the play evened up quite a bit, and it was a it was a pretty strong game from the Blackhawks um, five on five. Uh, even though. The Blackhawks did end up scoring uh, two of their goals on the power play. They went two out of three on the power play. I really felt that they 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 played pretty well five on five. I thought all four lines actually contributed uh, and uh, were able to control the puck a little bit and carry some offense. I, I want to say it was one of their better efforts that they've gotten from their bottom six in quite some time. So that was encouraging to see, but... Uh, it was the, the the big gun scoring once again. 
Uh, Dylan Strom scored a nice uh, power play goal, uh, tucking one in from uh, beside the net. I uh, made a nice power move out in front. They had kind of vacated and let, let him have a nice clean path there. And he, he uh, snuck it in far side. And then uh, the other goal was scored by Jonathan Taves again on the power play. So actually both of their goals were, were power play goals. Uh, Cause the, the, the game would go into overtime uh, despite uh, both teams uh, having their chances in the third period. Uh, both of the goalies came up pretty big. Cam Ward had a good game. And so it went to overtime. Game wasn't decided in overtime either. So uh, we got our first shootout in quite some time. It's I can't remember the last the last time we actually had one. And uh, once again, the you know uh, well obviously in the shootout you're going to go with your big guns, but uh, Jonathan Taves scored and then Patrick Kane scored. They were the first two shooters, and uh, Ward made saves on Bailey and Barzel, and that was it. Uh, the the shootout ended real quickly and uh you know the two guys that uh you know often come up big in those shootouts uh even if they don't happen quite as frequently as they once did uh Taze and Kane uh, you know and once again they they played a lot of uh, shifts together at five on five uh Drake Drake Kajula uh was uh, put up with those guys and uh that that line's been been producing pretty well so I expect we'll probably continue to see that for a little while but yeah, so uh, it was one of their more complete games in in quite some time. Yeah, and you know, um, I was going to add too that like um, Strom's goal, I like to say is a uh, that used to be Jonathan Tabe's mm-hmm. score from that spot all the time on yep. power plays, and for yep. whatever reason he stopped doing that about three or four years ago. But that used to be his spot to score. Yep. Yeah, they would always. Uh, try and get that cross ice pass to Patrick Sharp. Uh, you know, Kane would try and sneak it through. And if that wasn't open, if those defensemen were pulling out and kind of uh, trying to block that passing lane across, uh, Kane would also would oftentimes hit Taves uh, uh, on kind of a release pass there at the, the side of the net. And he'd take that power move and uh, bring it right to the front of the net and, uh, you know, try and tuck it in and, uh, so yeah, it was, it, it was a familiar play for Blackhawks fans, definitely just with a different, uh, trigger man on it. But so, uh, yeah. What do you think about, uh, Drake Kajula and Taves and Kane together? Is it more just a case of Taves and Kane playing together is good and whoever their winger would be, is, would be good. Or is Kajula helping? Well, I mean, obviously Patrick Kane with the way he is playing right now, uh, I mean, he's going to elevate anyone he plays with. Uh, he's on a tremendous hot streak, uh, the kind of hot streak we haven't seen from him uh, since he won the scoring title a couple of years back. Um, I think he's on pace for just about the same amount of points as he did that year. Now, he led the NHL in scoring that year. Um, he's unlikely to do that this year. I do believe he's moved into the top five. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, scoring is up across the league. Uh, I, I want to say Kane was the only guy to, to reach a hundred points that, that year that he won the scoring title. And uh, it seems like we're going to have several guys accomplish that this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's possible Kane uh, sets a career high in points this year and he's already surpassed his goal total from last year, which is, you know, pretty, pretty amazing considering how many games are still left. 
But yeah, I mean, Kane's playing great. Taves is playing great. But you know, Kajula, uh, he he earned uh, the uh, opportunity to move up in the lineup. He he been uh, providing some nice energy in the bottom six since he uh, came over in the trade. And uh, at the time of the trade, we uh, um, I did mention he 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 was a uh, often put up into the top six with the Oilers. Uh, he played a lot of times with uh, Connor McDavid, so he is uh, familiar with playing with with you know very talented players. And uh, yeah, I mean he 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 not a big guy. Uh, but uh, he's got pretty decent speed and he's willing to throw his weight around a little bit. Now, I don't, I don't know that he's, you know, any kind of long-term solution there or anything, but he's on a cheap deal. Um, we certainly stole him from the Oilers uh, considering what we gave up. And so, you know, anything we can get out of him, you know, is, is pretty much gravy since we were just trying to dump, uh, that contract. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of a nice versatile guy. He can play both wings. He has played a little bit of center in his career, but that's not what you want him for. Um, you know, ideally he's probably a, you know, a third or uh, occasionally fourth line winger that he can move up in the lineup, uh, in the event of injuries. But yeah, for, you know, for short stretches here, when he's hot or other guys on the team aren't, performing you, you stick him up in the top six and you know he can provide some energy up there so no i think that worked out very well all right so you, we, we touched on it before but um we were talking about maybe it was two weeks ago about the blackhawks power play looked better mm-hmm. but was it sustainable but my god it seems to be getting even better i mean they've moved up to like like low 20s in the league from being dead last so is i'm starting to think maybe this is sustainable yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did talk about it a couple of weeks back. Uh, they've they've changed their setup. They've changed their personnel. They have their five best guys out there, and they're keeping them out there for you know that's the first power play unit, and they've stuck with it. Um, you know, so generally on a two minute power play, they're out there for the first minute and fifteen seconds, and they are gaining entries. They're not wasting time in their own zone. Even when they do get denied and the puck gets shot down, they get it and they go right back. Or if the puck just goes out to center ice, they're taking it there and they're kind of coming right back into the zone instead of wasting all that freaking time going behind the net. And uh, so they're, they're getting into the, the zone much better. Uh, they're, they're carrying the puck in a lot of times across the blue line. And then, they are moving the puck and moving their feet a lot better uh, than what we've seen from a Blackhawks power play in quite some time. Uh, I Dylan Strom has kind of taken over as the guy in front of the net uh, from Anisimov and he's doing a pretty decent job on the screens. And uh, he, I think he's, he's probably not quite as good at screening the goalie, but uh, he's a little better at getting tips, which has helped. And he's also, um, a little more willing to move away from the front of the net when uh, the opportunity or the need arises. And, you know, like we said on that, that, that goal he scored in the Islanders game, uh, he went out to the side of the net and gave pain, gave pain, gave Kane a uh, outlet uh, for a pass there to receive it. And 
I think it kind of threw off the defense a little bit. They lost their coverage and he was just able to walk out, um, you know, uncontested and, you know, he buried his chance. And so he's, he, I think he's been a big, uh, part of the resurgence. He's a little more versatile than Anisimov is. And then the other big change obviously is, uh, not only getting, uh, it on that unit full time. He's been in, he's been with Kane in that unit, uh, quite a bit, but, uh, getting Gustafson up there, uh, has been a huge part of, uh, of the breakout of the power play. Um, he's, still an adventure defensively. Um, he gives away probably more goals than he generates, uh, in five on five play, but boy, he's really helped that power play. Uh, he is really slick when he has the puck along the blue line. He's not predictable. He can really break down the coverage and open up passing lanes that we haven't seen much. And it takes a lot of it takes a lot of pressure off of Kane because, uh, you know, what we've seen from the power play under Quenville was the puck was on Kane's stick, and it would stay on Kane's stick for ninety five percent of the time. Now they they can move it back between both of those guys and not really lose anything there, and it, it it gives the defense more things to worry about. He's also very good at um, holding pucks into the zone. Yes, on the blue line, he's very good at that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's just a across the board improvement uh, for the power play and yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like it would be sustainable. Um, I mean, those five guys are all very talented offensive players and they're playing to their strengths right now. And so, yeah, if you keep those five guys together, I mean, obviously they're not going to keep up the pace that they're on right now. I mean, I think they've been converting like 35% or something like that for over the past, you know, little while here. Uh, that's not sustainable, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, they should be able to convert 20% or so with that, with that group if they stick with it. So yeah, I like it. I like it. Right. And then another thing, of course, that's been going on a little bit lately is um, the musical chairs with the defensemen. Cause they have seven defensemen for six spots. Uh, last yep. game, it was Dahlstrom that got scratched, which is probably good for we were talking about before. He might have needed a yeah. little break, but it. I yep. assume this is going to keep going for a while, the shuffling. Yeah, um, and might even get a little worse uh, if they decide to keep Forsling up, too. Uh, he, he practiced the other day, so he's probably not too far away from returning. Now, we had talked about him probably going back down to Rockford, but... Uh, they wouldn't necessarily have to do that. Um, I, I think that would be my preference. Uh, either send him or Yoki Haru down, um, just to to get both of those, you know, one or both of those guys, you know, some top line minutes. But uh, I understand what they're doing with Yoki Haru, backing him off a little bit here. Uh, he was he isn't playing as well as he was early in the year part of that's probably because he's rotating partners so much and they flipped him to the left side a little bit here and there. But, um, I, I think part of it is also, uh, it, he's never, he, he's a, a 19 year old rookie. They don't play this many games in juniors or in Europe. 
So, you know, the, the 82 game grind of an NHL season against guys much bigger and much more experienced than him, uh, it takes a toll and not just physically, but mentally. Uh, and so I, I do kind of agree with giving him some days off here and there. Um, when he plays, I would like to see him with a more steady partner and in a more prominent role. Um, but yeah, I mean, the occasional game where he plays, you know, fifth or sixth defenseman minutes isn't going to hurt. Um, I would like to see, uh, they, they backed him off a little bit too much in my opinion, uh, these past, this past week or so, especially after he, um, you know, was coming back from the world juniors. It's possible he was just tired and they sensed it and uh, stuff. But I, I, I would like to see him play a little bit more than what he's been playing of late. And yeah. Then, I was going to say, I was going to say real quick too, um, this is going to be something that's going to come up in the next couple of years. Cause you're going to have um, Yoki Haru and uh, Bo Quist and Ian Mitchell, that defensemen take longer to develop than forwards. So there's going to be ups and downs early. So, these guys are going to have games where they play really bad and it's, they're going to be good eventually, but you're going to have to, there are going to be games where they're not good. It's just yeah. part of developing. Yep. Games where they're going to be not good and, and games where you're going to have them sit in the press box on occasion. And I, I know a lot of fans look at that and say, Oh, you're punishing the, the young guys for mistakes that you don't punish Brent Seabrook for making. I mean, Brent Seabrook turns the puck over all the time, but yet if Yoki Haru turns the puck over, he gets benched. That is that that's not the way it works. When Brent Seabrook makes a mistake, he knows he made a mistake and he knows the consequences of it. He knows how to respond. If a young guy makes a mistake, sometimes that can lead to more mistakes and it can sometimes lead to hesitancy. And you want, you, you do want to shelter guys if you can. Um, now, I, it, it, you know, it's, there's no right answer to this. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who question what they're doing and there's always going to be hindsight with all of these decisions. But, you know, you know, like you said, next year, um, I think Mitchell will probably be able to transition a little bit quicker just because he's got a couple of years of college experience, um, a little bit older, um, but Boquist is probably going to be even more of a in and out of the lineup. What's the best way? Do we handle it? Do, you know, do we maybe send him to the minors for a little while? Um, and we're going to see that next year because, um, not only will he be a 19 year old rook, or I shouldn't say that not only will he be a, a teenage rookie like Yoki Haru is this year, but Boquist was actually, um, quite a bit younger than the rest of his draft class. He was like a week or two um, away from being in this upcoming draft class as opposed to last draft class. So uh, he was right near the birth date cutoff. And so he's uh, probably, I, I, I want to say he's going to be like 18 for the first half of next year um, before he even turns 19. Whereas Yoki Haru was 19 the whole year this year. So um and Boquist is also smaller and less physically developed. So, yeah, uh, next year is going to be I, – I wouldn't mind actually seeing Boquist play 
in the AHL uh, quite a bit next year um, and letting him get, you know, more top line or top pairing experience and getting him lots of playing time um, that he's probably not going to be able to earn in Chicago simply because they'll have Yoki Haru and Mitchell will probably be ahead of Boquist next year. Um, the only thing that might open up a little bit more time for Boquist is if they decide to trade trade Eric Gustafson. Um, cause it, I would say at least early on in Boquist's career, that's going to be more the type of player he is where he's kind of like a, a, a offensive catalyst that, uh, you know, is going to give away some goals. And I don't know that you'd want to have both of those guys in the lineup at the same time. So I do think eventually Gustafson, uh, will get, uh, dealt, uh, once they feel a little more certain that, uh, Boquist is going to be ready to, you know, to, to take over in the NHL. So. Right. Well, obviously uh, this week coming up, there's not uh, any games for the Blackhawks <laughs> because of uh, the all-star game. Also, they yeah. played a lot of games. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess Kane's the only guy heading to the all-star game from the Hawks, which probably seems deserved. Maybe DeBrink could, could have snuck in there, but uh, with the season that the Blackhawks are having, uh, it's not a surprise that they've only got one rep. Yeah, and l- let's get this out in the open. I think you probably agree with me on this. Uh, the All-Star game sucks. I haven't watched an All-Star game in uh, at least a decade. I yeah, I mean, it might actually be longer than that. The skills competition is all right. I usually watch that, but the All-Star game itself sucks. Yeah, you know, anymore, I can't even say. I mean, I know they changed the format, so it's like three on three or four on four or something now. Yeah, three on three. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't. So maybe it's a little better than it used to be, but um, I, I, I don't know. I just I've always just taken it as a week off just like the rest of the players do. I was just like, ah, I can take a week off from hockey. It's not going to hurt me. And, uh, so yeah, uh, sometimes I tune in for the skills competition. I, I, I guess I've probably seen that within the last four or five years. I've probably watched it once or twice, but, um, yeah, the game, I, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things where hockey's a sport when if you don't go all out, it's not that fun to watch in the after game. Everyone's going half speed and it's just, yeah, it's not good. Yep, I would agree with you. So, yeah. So I don't know. Are we gonna do a? Are we gonna do a podcast next week, or what, how do we want to do this? We want to take a week off, give the fans a week off too, or? Well, I've, I've been thinking about it. I'm thinking either a week off, or maybe we'll bring on a guest, one of people ah. from Twitter that we follow a lot that knows a lot about hockey. But sure, that might be interesting to see, but. Yeah, but no, there's obviously there's no preview yeah. this week because the Blackhawks don't play. Um, I think I guess we could do a little Blackhawk history. Trying to think of, I would yeah. do All Star, but the All Star game's boring. Like I said, <laughs> I don't watch it, so I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about the All Star history. So exactly. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to think of a good, uh, a good, um, but we can talk kind of about since. We talked about the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup last week. Um, yeah. We can uh, talk a little bit about, um, yeah, I don't know what we can talk about. Um, the Canucks. The they Canucks. Quite a good rivalry. About, yeah. A really good rivalry. And the Canucks, you know, the fan hatred built up a lot. And just, 
he talked a little bit about how the for a little bit the Canucks are public enemy number one for Blackhawks fans. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Sounds good. So, yeah, if we get a guest, yeah, we can do a lot of things. If not, we can just kind of do a, a, a shortened one, do a little history. Mm-hmm. I guess we could, you know, touch on the all-star game. I guess if Kane does anything, <laughs> whether he does or not, I guess. But, um, yeah. yeah. If he wins, play it by ear. Yeah, if he wins playoff MVP or whatever, or not playoff MVP, um, uh, all-star game MVP, maybe we'll mention that or something. But Oh, hey, if we're going to do all-star game trivia – well, I guess I don't know if, if Taves or Kane or anybody ever won the All-Star Game MVP, but I do remember one All-Star Game MVP. Oh, yes, Eric Daze. Eric Daze, man, that's right. That was probably the last time I actually watched an All-Star Game. Was it right around that time? Yes, I, I remember, remember watching that game. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. I think you, didn't you win like a tree run, like a truck or something? I thought they gave away a prize or something, but I remember that. I guess that's possible. I probably turned the game off as soon as it was over. So I wouldn't have seen <laughs> whatever he was awarded, but um, yeah, no, I do remember that. So we've got at least one all-star game MVP in, in team history. Yes. That's the only one I can remember. So yeah. And that was when the Blackhawks weren't very good. So it was right. clung on to whatever he could back then. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even remember if that was like a, a, a pity uh, um, selection for Daze. I, uh, to be honest, I pay so little attention to the All Star Game. Is I assume each team is required to have one. Yes, it's so, it's baseball rules. Okay, so, yeah, yes. So, I mean, obviously, Kane deserves to be here this year, so it's not it's not a pity selection. But I was I'm kind of wondering if if Daze would have been uh, in that particular season. I mean, he he did have a couple of years where he was healthy enough where, um, you know, an all-star selection would have at least been warranted or in under consideration. But, uh, hopefully that wasn't one of the years where he, you know, he just happened to be the only guy. Well, we had a crack staff to research. Maybe we'd be able to look up, but I don't remember either, but you know, you know, back then they had, uh, Amante as well. So in most of those years, Amante would have been, uh, worthy of all-star selection. So my guess is both of those guys probably went in that season. So yeah, probably. that was probably uh, worthy of it. So I would think, yeah. yeah. But I guess we can maybe talk about it next week. If either of us decide to research such things. Yes. And now right. we've let uh, fans uh, behind the curtains a little bit about how much actual planning we put into these uh, podcasts. Yes. And the answer is none. None. Yes. I will be honest. Sean came to me like three days before the season started. It might even have been the night before and said, Hey, do you want to do a Blackhawks podcast? And I said, sure. I said, do I need to do anything besides show up? And he said, no. And I said, done. We're doing it. I I can, I can do no prep. I'm good with that. Yes. And I don't do any prep either. So yeah, but you at least do the technical aspects. You do the recording. You do the posting. I literally do nothing except sit in front of the microphone when I'm told to do so. That's right. But it's all gold from you. Great it analysis. I, I think I'm improving anyway. I don't know if I was any good at the beginning, but <laughs> I hope I'm, I'm getting more used. Also, yeah. yeah. Well, you've got a little more experience with this podcast stuff. I mean, you have your own podcasts. That's right. I, I've never actually even been on the Cubs Den podcast, and I run the freaking site. 
I've never been on the Cubs Den podcast. <laughs> Miles has got his little, he's got his, he's got his troop of guys that he likes to do it with. That's fine. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's just a little weird that I've never been on. Yes, I, I agree. Me too. Well, I guess that's all the time for uh, this week's episode. Um, we will be a little bit behind the scenes of how everything uh, works. Um, I'm, of course, at STH85 on Twitter, and Michael is at MJ underscore Ernst on uh, Twitter. And um, thanks for listening as always, and we might be back next week.